Welcome back to another episode of Yours Mentally. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about intergenerational trauma. While intergenerational trauma is a very common occurrence, it is not often spoken about and neither is it given much importance to. A lot of individuals face trauma passed on from the generation above them, which is mostly their family members, but not many of them are able to recognize it and break the cycle. This episode is in conversation with Nyamar Chadda, who holds a master's degree in clinical psychology. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. So on today's episode where we talk about cycle of intergenerational trauma, Nyamat, can you tell us what exactly intergenerational trauma is? So intergenerational trauma, also known as transgenerational trauma or generational trauma, essentially is trauma that's passed down generations. So it trickles down from one generation to the next. <laughs> right. So could you sort of explain it with like an example? So, for instance, you know, my parents may have gone through something traumatic. Say mm-hmm. there has been violence towards my mother. Mm-hmm. And that violence, the impact of that trauma, it's not restricted till my parents. It's, it can also get passed down to me. Mm-hmm. So, it could be something that's happened to my grandparents. And mm-hmm. if that trauma isn't integrated, it can actually move down the family generations till one person actually decides to sort of, you know, face the trauma or integrate the trauma, break the cycle essentially. Yeah, I feel like, like, I'm not sure this happens with Western families, but in Indian families, I see this happen a lot where, you know, the trauma is passed down and because it's passed down, it is also normalized in a way. Like, you know, people are just thinking that, okay, this has been happening, which is, it's probably right, like, you know, domestic violence. I think you see like a lot of kids, you know, they, a lot of parents, sorry, they hit their children so that they don't repeat bad behavior. That is not the only way you solve a problem. And then, because the child has been hit, when he or she grows up, they probably think it's also right to hit their kids because their parents did it. Yeah. So, you know, that cycle continues and it's really hard to break it because, like, when do you know to stop? You know, you need to, like, you need to really unlearn that belief and it's a little hard to do that. Absolutely. And, and like you said, you know, I think in Indian families, I'm not sure if it's a cultural thing, but mm-hmm. at least from what I see a lot around me, there are two sort of defense mechanisms that I see are being used very commonly. One is denial, which yeah. is complete denial of the problem. Like to be able to call it trauma and they just deny that there is any trauma that exists. And it's also minimization, like you said. This yeah. is normal. You know, what if not this, then what else? So there's so much denial and minimization that for someone to be able to confront intergenerational trauma as trauma, sometimes that's also really hard. Yeah, Indians really have that attitude of, you know, no, I'm right. the other person must be wrong I'm always right like that's something you see in every Indian family almost you know they really have that ego which is why like so many people just live in denial throughout their lives about everything and anything honestly like anything that you point that is wrong at them they will never like actually accept it and try to change or you know try to learn why they're wrong yeah also collectivistic culture right we come from a collectivistic culture where our elders are supposed to be really wise they have experience on their side so we are supposed to respect them by virtue of their age. So I think that's also where a little bit of this comes in. That, you know, how can you question your elders? That's not okay. Yeah, that, that's something I never really understood. That, you know, okay, I get it, they're older than us. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're wiser than us in everything. Because, like, it's a different generation that they come from. We're in a different generation. Things have changed, you know. The world evolves. Like, we're not the yeah. same people that we were 20 years ago or like 10 years ago, you know. Things change. Yeah. So, obviously, their wisdom that they had most likely not applicable to the current times so we need to sort of understand that like their old methods or their old ways of thinking are not going to be applicable to the current world like the most basic example i can give and that's why you know it's very common in india 
a lot of people from the older generation don't believe that you know people can be gay or people can be lesbian or people can be transgender for them it's just something very alien that's how they think about it and they live in denial about it you know they they can't accept yeah. it and that's why when their children come out to them they can't accept it like they really you know they have a very aggressive reaction to it and you mm. also where i think conversion therapy comes into place you know yeah and that's true yeah, yeah it's a series of unfortunate beliefs that they have so much unlearning to do yeah right so how is intergenerational trauma different from general trauma and do you think it has like a worse effect on the person so trauma is essentially what happens to a person it's what happens to a person what happens in the mind in the body in response to an event that feels threatening to their sense of self that's mm-hmm. what trauma is intergenerational trauma like i said it could be something that's happened to somebody in my family not necessarily to me but because they haven't done the work of integrating that trauma in their life you know they haven't done trauma work whatever that looks like for them that yeah. trauma gets passed down so it may not be something that's directly happened to me it could be something that say a grandparent has lived through yet yeah. because that trauma hasn't been processed it's still playing out in our family even today that is what intergenerational trauma is yeah. and i don't know if i can say it's worse or better i mean i don't know see trauma is very subjective so mm-hmm. how a person responds to trauma it's based on a lot of different things it's very subjective it's a subjective experience mm-hmm. but what happens with intergenerational trauma because the family is involved like i said sometimes there are those defense mechanisms of denial and minimization which is what makes it really tough for the person to be able to say hey this was trauma mm-hmm. you know for them to be able to say okay this is also trauma this happened to my parents but i am also living the effects of that trauma so i think yeah. that realization that awareness is tougher when it comes to intergenerational trauma right so what are some signs of intergenerational trauma in a family and does intergenerational tra- intergenerational trauma only pass on from parents to their biological children or can it also happen through like relatives very interesting questions so there is a lot of research that's happening to understand the transmission of intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. so what a lot of it's this is very new research this is very recent most of it is actually post the 1960s and 70s if i'm not mistaken so mm-hmm. a lot of this research there's also epigenetic research which looks at the biology so mm-hmm. what we're recognizing now is that this transmission of trauma is not just behavioral earlier it was believed that perhaps it's only behavioral you know because say if my parent has trauma and they haven't processed it it's going to come out in their behaviors and actions which is why perhaps you know i'm going to it's going to get transmitted to me because i am on the receiving end of those behaviors or actions mm-hmm. what we also recognize now is that it could also be genetic it could also be really biological mm-hmm. for instance if a mother is pregnant and say there's something that happens say there's a traumatic event that she experiences there's going to be a release of stress hormones in her body those stress hormones can actually get passed down to the to the fetus right mm-hmm. so it's also really bi- i know this may seem a little boring but it's also really biological so the mm-hmm. transmission of trauma intergenerationally it could be biological and it could be also like i said behavioral when i say behavioral it means for instance if a mother has unprocessed trauma it's going to be difficult for her to form a secure attachment bond with the child right yeah. so it it's possible that the effect of that attachment bond mm-hmm. it shows up in the child's relationships later on in life it's possible that if my say parents have unprocessed trauma usually the effects of trauma what what we see in people who've experienced something traumatic is hyper arousal hyper vigilance they mm-hmm. become really vigilant they pay a lot of attention to any sort of threat in the environment mm-hmm. and it's possible that their perception of threat also changes so what may seem safe to you and okay to you it may seem threatening to them mm-hmm. so it's possible that when i notice this 
see if i'm living with these people i'm going to pick up their scripts about the world mm-hmm. it's possible that when i see that this is the way they think about the world i internalize a lot of those messages and scripts mm-hmm. so it doesn't necessarily need to be passed down from the parents to the child it could be a different relative in the family because children model behaviors right children learn and model behaviors so this internalization can actually happen when i'm looking at somebody else's scripts about the world mm-hmm. if it's somebody i'm close to it's a caregiver it's an attachment figure it's somebody in the family who i have a close bond with it's possible that i will internalize their messages mm-hmm. and like i said the signs of trauma would be hypervigilance avoidance sometimes you know you don't want to talk about anything related to the trauma anything that brings up memories we, we don't want to confront that at all it could be anger irritability in mm-hmm. families usually again i keep emphasizing this but especially in indian families a lot of this is unaddressed so there could be communication happening say on the surface but a lot of the there's a, there's, a, there's not a lot of authentic communication happening in the family essentially yeah. so people are functioning and existing as if nothing has happened Mm-hmm. which again it, that can also be re-traumatizing for somebody who's lived through that experience right to not have it addressed to not have a space to be able to express or articulate it mm-hmm. so usually there there can be family dysfunction there can be anger irritability hypervigilance for somebody who's who's who has trauma there can be nightmares mm-hmm. there can be emotional dysregulation and this yeah. happens not just at the individual level but also at the level of the family you know the entire family system could be involved in this mm-hmm. does that make sense Yeah yeah it completely does and I agree with everything that you said and I also think that in Indian families we're often taught to suppress our emotions a lot of the yeah. time you know like I remember I was speaking to you once and you told me that you know when a child falls down instead of like tell uh, you know asking him how he is being really tell him that oh you haven't got hurt you know that's that's yeah. the first thing we jump to say Be- yeah. oh, like that's what we do in, in, in India you know it's all we always taught to suppress our emotions like even this other thing where you know a child when he when he or she is younger and their parents screams at them and they start crying the parents hit them to make them stop crying ah, yeah doesn't help but that's yeah. how it is over here so that sucks to sort of suppress our emotions and now this like since you're a child if you're taught to suppress your emotions you carry it forward right as you're growing yeah. and then you yeah. and then obviously you're going to have not so great friendships like you won't have healthy friendships you're not going to have healthy relationships as well because you're going to be suppressing your emotions if your friend does something that you don't like you're not going to be yeah. you know talking about it because since your childhood you've been taught to suppress what you feel yeah. and that Absolutely. leads to yeah, and i think that leads to sort of a bad personality development and mm. parents don't understand this like they need to be educated about it obviously but they you know they don't really understand it and they think that what they're doing is right and like you said in the previous answer you know they live in denial about almost everything <laughs> also I, i feel like yes the family system but also larger systems like patriarchy Uh-huh. I mean, patriarchy will make you feel like you need to man up, move on, be strong, and yeah. of course, we know that women have to bear the brunt of patriarchy. But so do men, because men mm. are then told to not express their emotions, you know, not cry, not not have too many feelings about things, and all of that also leads to suppression. Then they are. It's so difficult for someone to be vulnerable when patriarchy tells you to man up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm. So, how can people heal from the trauma before deciding to parent, and you know, like before having the children, obviously? and how do they know that they have actually completely healed and now that they are ready to have children yeah i think that's also a really relevant question particularly because in indian families sometimes you know the answer to fixing everything is actually having a child at least that's what a lot of people believe <laughs> if there are problems yeah. in the marriage then just like have a kid it will all be okay yeah and that's so common so this question is interesting because it talks about how you need to work on the trauma perhaps before you become a parent instead of having a child to fix that trauma you know 
so it's an interesting question i think doing trauma work mm-hmm. if you have the resources then perhaps working with a trauma informed therapist who can help you integrate this trauma i think that would be one of the things that could be helpful i think awareness also helps right mm-hmm. being able to see that this was traumatic or this was trauma i think a lot of people also hesitate from using this word and i know that a lot of what we see on social media has also confused a little bit the narrative on trauma in the sense that people are really confused on what constitutes trauma but if it feels like it was traumatic to you then it was so for mm-hmm. a lot of people to be, become aware of the fact that you know this happened to my parents or this happened to their parents and this trauma has gotten passed down mm-hmm. just being able to be aware of intergenerational trauma i think that helps to be able to look at it with intention to be able to look at it with consciousness that mm-hmm. helps because like you said a lot of what's happening is denial minimization suppression avoidance and mm-hmm. all of this is happening at a really sort of subconscious level so to bring in some consciousness into this that can be healing and mm-hmm. once you do bring some consciousness into it then you decide what you want to do to integrate this trauma mm-hmm. like i said working with a trauma informed therapist could be helpful finding support i think that can also be really helpful mm-hmm. you know if you've read this book called the body keeps the score it's mm-hmm. a no. very good book on trauma it mm-hmm. talks about how trauma is not just in the mind it's also in the body like i said so it really helps to find support to find safe spaces to be able to build safety as a resource in the body and mm-hmm. you do this for yourself and you do it with other people find other people who you can have authentic communication with you can have authentic relationships with mm-hmm. do some body work what research has also now found is that yes talk therapy helps and there are different techniques in therapy there are different types of therapeutic tools schools of therapy like ifs therapy emdr all of these are really helpful when you're working with trauma but also if possible integrating some body work some somatic work what i mean by that is it could be something like yoga mm-hmm. acupuncture massages so when i was reading the book i actually came across this research i'm forgetting who conducted it but the research actually showed that people who've had you know they've experienced trauma mm-hmm. when they i think when they went in for 6 weeks of cbt versus when they went in for 6 weeks of body work with massages and acupuncture mm-hmm. the latter the, the group in the latter the, in in the second condition they actually found it more helpful to be able to integrate the trauma so we are recognizing now that trauma is stored in the body mm-hmm. so it also is helpful to work with the body mm-hmm. so if possible find spaces find people find places find activities where your body feels safe mm-hmm. and you know do body work like i said working with a trauma informed therapist that's great mm-hmm. and like i said again i think the starting point to be able to do all of these things is just to bring some consciousness into this mm-hmm. what do you think could be helpful what 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 do you think you know could be healing when it comes to intergenerational trauma right so before this, i just like to say that i agree with everything you said and i feel like a very common notion that a lot of people do you know believe that if you have any kind of mental health problems it's always that only therapy can sort of you know help you but what you did add to over here is that even doing physical work doing like you know that even your body is actually facing the trauma it's just not your mind so i feel like that's mm-hmm. very important it's not something that i had thought about so i'm actually quite uh, little mind blown that you said that now <laughs> something to think about but yeah i feel like uh, ways to heal from trauma like you said you know doing most importantly i'd say doing things that make you happy not only like you know yeah. obviously like going to therapy is one thing but like maybe playing football could be like you know if you enjoy playing mm-hmm. football that that could yeah. be one way of you know dealing with your trauma maybe just going out with your friends for a while or you know mm-hmm. like 
a lot of i feel like a lot of people when they grow older because they're working they do not get time you know to meet their friends as often or you know yeah. do things that they did that sort of made them happy or that they enjoyed so you know maybe doing those things will sort of help you heal from the trauma in a way yeah yeah that's a very good point actually because what we recognize again when we look at trauma in the body there's a lot of work that's also being done to recognize that a state of playfulness and curiosity and imagination mm-hmm. you know how that is healing when someone's experienced trauma yeah. so if i've experienced trauma and it's stored in my body what would it mean for me to find sources of pleasure sources of play sources of curiosity imagination mm-hmm. and that can also be really helpful and this could be something like playing football like you said or it could be finding a good friend that you like going out with mm-hmm. so what would it mean for us to say okay my body felt the pain but my body also feels joy you know mm-hmm. increasing the capacity of your body to feel joy that can also yeah. be really healing i'm glad you brought that up yeah. yeah and like to support this as an example i was just watching a documentary on michael schumacher right now and mm-hmm. there was like one season of in his career where he got disqualified mid season and obviously mm-hmm. that to any sport fan that's going to be really hurtful right but yeah. to deal with it it is it was not like he was not you know just what he did was he went and did things that he enjoyed like you know partying mm-hmm. with his friends jet skiing all of that and then when he came back next season he was even bet in better shape than he was in the previous season and he spoke about you know how doing things that you know made him happy is what made him even better like even during that i think it was like a 4 to 5 period a uh, 4 uh, to 5 month period where he was like disqualified right he did yeah. not even exercise to keep himself fit you know because he's like i don't want anything to do with formula 1 now i just mm-hmm. need to focus on you know being at peace with myself and just keeping myself happy because if i'm going to you know focus on what has hurt me I'm not going to get any better. Mm. So, yeah, that's something I I actually picked yeah. up from there that you know, you need to do things that make you happy in order to sort of become like, you know, be in a better state than you were already uh, from before. Also, like you said, you know, carving spaces of joy, spaces where you can show up with curiosity and imagination, that's a natural yeah. state as human beings. So, that can also be healing. And I also feel like a lot of confusion happens because people feel like oh, these contradictory emotions can't exist. So, if I'm in pain, then how can I be happy? or if yeah. i'm happy then that means i'm not grieving anymore you know people find it difficult to understand that actually multiple contradictory emotions can exist and you can feel happy and feel grief at the same time you know mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean need to be an either or all of these emotions can actually coexist yeah yeah for sure yeah i just feel like uh, yeah a lot of people just think that you know if i'm happy i can't be sad like that that's yeah. just how, or if somebody how... is really sad then oh god like you know uh, they're smiling that means they're happy if they're unable to sort of comprehend that where it's possible that all of these human emotions are complex and they can coexist yeah so now what what if there's like a couple okay and let's say the husband is the one who is like facing like trauma like from you know maybe his parents but the wife is like completely fine in this case do you suggest do you think the couple should go for like couple therapy or only the husband should go for therapy see it depends of course it's very contextual there is no i don't think there's a right or wrong way to you know do this mm-hmm. but what i feel is sometimes when there is trauma in the family also maybe it's not happening because of the partner but we've experienced trauma in the past mm-hmm. because we're in this close attachment relationship as an adult it's possible that there are trauma triggers you know so mm-hmm. say i don't know if you're aware of the concept of trauma triggers but say my partner says something that makes mm-hmm. me feel a certain way which in mm-hmm. the past has you know it's been an experience of trauma for me then yeah. this is going to be a trauma trigger so say you know when people say oh why are you overreacting mm-hmm. sometimes overreaction is actually a trauma trigger they're responding to something else that happened in the past and it's triggered that memory of the trauma for them yeah. so i wouldn't say that couples therapy 
wouldn't be helpful because i think it can also help for the partner to recognize trauma triggers because mm. again like i said it's a close attachment relationship and what usually happens is that sometimes we repeat things that we've learned the patterns that we've developed from say dysfunction in the family mm-hmm. usually we repeat those scripts in our relationships even if a partner you know is not our parent of course but it's mm-hmm. possible that because this is another close attachment relationship we fear that there will be a wound to this relationship because of which we may reenact a lot of those patterns so i think couples therapy could also be helpful and of course if the person feels more comfortable going for individual therapy then that's also an option but i think again like i said that it could help for the partner to also become aware of the trauma triggers of their partner there's a therapist whose work i really admire his name is terry real so he's a relational therapist and he talks a lot about relational healing about how mu- how so much of our healing happens in relationships romantic relationships and other relationships where he talks a lot about couples therapy mm-hmm. so he talks a lot about how even in his work with individuals he integrates that with, with couples work you know and i think they could both be useful in their own way what yeah. would you say see i like uh, my opinion like it, 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 it my opinion when we like couples therapy would be sort of more useful like unless obviously the individual like the husband is more comfortable with going for individual yeah. therapy than that completely okay but i feel like couples therapy would probably be more useful because it helps the partner to understand you know that what the husband is going through or yeah. you know yeah what what is she need to sort of do to make him feel in a, a, a bit more comfortable or you know she she will also start, start start to understand that what are his trauma triggers like you said so yeah, yeah in my opinion i think couples therapy would be good unless yeah. like the individual can prefer that makes sense even uh, so in fact when terry real does work even trauma work with individuals mm-hmm. he does that in the presence of the partner sometimes of course with consent yeah but it's very powerful to see so if you're interested i don't know if you are interested in relational work but there are also videos available online where he's actually doing trauma work with an individual and the partner is present and imagine how powerful it is a part it is for the partner to see their you know to see their spouse experience that work through it integrated i think that yeah. can also be so healing so yeah. what you're saying does make sense yeah so i agree like you know it 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 really is like a different feeling when you see your partner uh, grow through the trauma that they've been through like you know even in general like the most basic example i can give give for this is like when you see your partner has struggled in like a certain business and then you know they go on to work through the, those struggles and then be successful you're obviously going to be very happy seeing that right because you yeah. you you seen them at their worst and now you're also seeing them at their best it's a different feeling altogether and and not just seeing your own partners i'm sure even the individual himself or herself is going to be really proud of seeing where yeah. where they have come from like maybe one year ago one year ago they weren't as happy in life but now they're like feeling a lot better you know they're feeling a lot more like themselves i'd say so sense, yeah, yeah. It's a great feeling. Hi. Okay. So, lastly, I'd like to ask you, how do you consciously break the cycle of intergenerational trauma? I think, like we spoke about in the previous question, I think awareness helps. So, it helps because a lot of the defense mechanisms that are being used within the model of the dysfunction are unconscious. It can help to bring some mindfulness and consciousness into the cycle. There's actually a quote from Terry Real that I really, really like. I know that this seems like a little bit of like a Terry Real fan club discussion, <laughs> but <laughs> no, that's fine. But there's something that he says that I think is so powerful. So I'm probably going to read it out to make sure I get it right. It says, "Family dysfunction is like fire in the woods that rolls generation to generation, taking everything in its path until one person has the courage to face the flame. 
that person brings peace to her ancestors and spares those to follow and i think that's so powerful because it also yeah. emphasizes that, that it's not easy it's not easy to be the person to you know not mm-hmm. repeat the patterns you've learned and actually face the flame <laughs> but that's what you do i think perhaps to break the cycle you face the flame whatever that looks like for you yeah. but you become aware of these patterns you become aware of the trauma you become aware of the trauma triggers and you learn more adaptive ways of responding you learn to you know just offer compassion to your wounded inner child and you learn to show up as the wise adult i think that's yeah. what that would look like perhaps yeah i completely agree with you and i think to put it in even more simpler words is basically going against the odds like yeah yeah so th- that's basically what it is and like if anyone does it is very brave and i think if you're one of them for listening i'm very proud of you for doing that right so that was a really good episode i think i enjoyed every minute of it and i would have loved to talk on for like another hour but don't i don't want to bore people so yeah I, I, thank you neema for being with us and sharing your views on this topic thank you thank you uh, aman for having yeah. me on the podcast and i feel like there was a lot to learn for myself like you know a lot to reflect on a lot of perspective that you gave me to think about like things that i probably hadn't thought about before like you know trauma healing could even be physical in a way like it's not just in the mind even your body matters in that in that sense so yeah, yeah lot to learn from you and i'm glad we did this episode i'm glad i'm glad that this offered perspective to you and thank you for sharing your insights those are always nice to hear okay and to everyone listening thank you for listening and i'll see you in the next episode